action. I was one of the first women to serve on an aircraft carrier. Danger. The governor had called and there's a situation and they need to evacuate. Adventure. I'm watching all the coral and all the fish and just the serenity of the ocean made me feel a sense of peace. You're listening to Sea Story. Episode 63, Isaac. Hi, my name is Lori Campbell. I'm a retired Naval officer and Navy nurse. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, and this is my sea story. There's nothing like a place like New Orleans. Festivals, Mardi Gras, just an array of different people. After 20 years, I got that magical call stating from the detailer, would I be interested in being stationed in my own hometown of New Orleans? I could not believe it. I jumped for joy. Not only would it give me a chance to serve my country, but I would get to serve the community and the people where I grew up. New Orleans is Hurricane Alley. It's late August, deep down south. It's hot and the humidity is bad. We got the word that there's a disturbance in the Gulf. However, it's just a mild storm. It's nothing that we need to be too concerned with. Unfortunately, we underestimated a tropical storm that decided to change courses and stay on top of us. The storm was Hurricane Isaac. This storm was seven years to the date of Hurricane Katrina. Day one, heavy rain and winds. It's the weekend, so we didn't activate any plan, and it's business as usual. But if anything was to arise, we'll call you. Day two, massive amounts of rain, howling winds. You can hear the sounds of the generators. Pop, pop, transformers blowing all of a sudden power outage. Not just where I'm at, and I'm at my own home. The city is out. The signals and the cell phones are low. Day three, it's getting hotter in the house. Batteries are low now. I get a call from the base. Lieutenant, we need you to report to base as soon as possible. There's been a situation. We may be taking on patients. Is it okay? I got myself together. I know days could turn into weeks. The base is located deep in the swamps, Plaquemines Parish. There's only one way in and one way out, Plaquemines Parish. As I'm driving in, trees are down. It's still raining. The winds are shifting. I get closer to the base. I look to my left, and what do I see? Huge cargo ships. It's like they're floating. Because in New Orleans, down in the swamps, We're below sea level, and it's like a bowl. So these humongous ships are on top. They can weigh down at us. I notice massive amounts of military trucks. So it's obvious the National Guard has been called in. I get through the gate. It's almost as if someone was irritated. They blew all the trees down. So as I maneuver through, I get to the medical clinic. We have a large medical clinic on the base. But unfortunately, the storm breached our clinic, flooded it out, 
knocked out the power and the generators. So we traveled to the gym and the gym is the reserve center with a powerful generator and it can hold massive amounts of people. I get to the area. I speak with the commander. She says that the governor had called and there's a situation where the levees are starting to overtop and they need to evacuate basically a nursing home. The National Guard, where all the trucks were lined up, they were there to pick those people up out of that nursing home. We had no staff. It was only about three of us. There's no communication, base-wide, city-wide, where communication is key, we have no communication. The patients start to come in, they're pouring in. Somehow the word got out that the base is open and available. So 100 patients start turning into 200 people. There's people everywhere. We weren't prepared for that. We had no water, we had no food, minimum staff. Nights start to fall. Like I said, it's about three of us. The CEO of the base and the EXO of the base, they come in, people everywhere. And he walked up and said, hey, Lieutenant Commander, who's in charge? I didn't know who was in charge. I don't even really know what's going on. I'm thinking, I'm just a lieutenant. But now it's September 1, and guess what? I've switched ranks. He said, I don't think you read the memo. You're in charge. In a situation like this, I fleeted up to the officer in charge. So this whole area was mine, and I needed to figure it out. And we only had three people. So as I continue on, now I'm nervous. Then we get a call. Ma'am, one side of the area is taking on water, and we need to send out a doctor because there's a young kid and some other folks that need help. We need you guys to send out one of the doctors to go get those people and bring them in ASAP. Okay, but we don't have any vehicles. So there's a guy, he's like, oh, he heard the call come in. Oh, ma'am, I can help you. I have the keys to the government vehicle that's outside. We jumped in the vehicle with him. We just need to get to the airfield. It's like, all the gates are locked. He said, no, I used to work here. I know a way in. We're driving full speed ahead on the flight line. Now, this base has fighter jets, but those fighter jets are gone. But there's Blackhawks everywhere. There's a lot going on on this airfield. We pull up to the Blackhawk. Everyone looking at us like, are these folks crazy or what? So I said, hey, we just got a call. There's some patients that need help on the other side. They're trapped. And the water we hear is 14 feet deep. So it's 14 feet high right now. So they're on their roofs. And right now we can't do anything, but the Blackhawks are dropping water, pallets of water to different people. The pilot says, this is not a medical helicopter. I said, okay, that's fine. He said, you guys want to jump in? They got the doors wide open. I asked one more request. I'm like, excuse me, do you mind dropping them off, the patients off at the nearest hospital before you come back here? He's like, I mentioned before, this is not a medical helicopter. I'm gonna drop this water off. And like I said, you're welcome to jump on board, bring your patients back and get right back off right here. That's all I have for you. All of a sudden I'm wondering like, we don't have the staff to take care of any patients coming in. I notice an ambulance just sitting in the wind. I knock on the window, startle them both. It's like, hey, I need your help. This helicopter is gonna drop some patients off. We have no way of taking care of them here. Could you bring them to the nearest hospital? 
And it's like, oh, well, we got a call, but we didn't get any instructions with it. We just sat here. And I said, I'm going to bring you to the flight line. Once that chopper got back down, those propellers are going. The two paramedics, they couldn't do it. So they decided, unfortunately, we're not going out there on the flight line with those propellers going like that. So it was one thing after the next. And now I have this ambulance crew. We have the stretcher, but they're too afraid to run down the flight line to go get the patients. And here you see me with a patient, little child in my arms to run off the flight line. When I got back to the base, it's like, I have to think outside the box. I just picked up the phone and start dialing every number I could. Anybody who get this message, if you can get this message to the commanding officer, or you get this message to the executive officer at the Naval Hospital down in Florida, let them know we need staff. We're basically in the water. Send staff, send staff. And not only that, if you can also do me one favor, bring some donuts and chocolate, we would really appreciate it. I must have left this message on about 10 to 15 people's voice lines. I had no idea that Florida had took a hit just like we did. But the best thing of all is that the commanding officer somehow saw my picture, my face on television. The Department of Defense has snapshot and stated that the base where we are is really under. When we all arrived back to the gymnasium, I'm exhausted. I'm at the back door. I don't want everybody to see me sweating. I see a car pull up. I see two ladies in uniform get out. And all of a sudden, they walk up with boxes of donuts, bags of chocolates. And it was my commanding officer and the director of nursing. They made their way from Pensacola to New Orleans because they heard the cry. That was powerful. That makes me emotional too. Believe it or not, that saved the day. One thing you don't think about, we're the military. And in the military, we go to help folks. In this situation, we needed folks to help us. And it was a beautiful trade-off. To hear more stories like mine, subscribe to Sea Story today. Sea Story is brought to you by America's Navy. Learn more at Navy.com.